Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you have been and who you become, and that it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. I'm your host, Dave Jorner, and each week I will bring you the best guests, tips, and messages to inspire and help you and me do life even better. Thank you for joining me today. Now, let's get started. Hi friends and welcome back. Thank you very much for choosing to hit play on the Do Life Better podcast today so that you could spend some time with Eddie Wu, our guest, and also with me. So whatever it is you're doing right now while you're listening, whether you're driving or sitting on a bus or going for a run or a ride or at the gym or doing some housework, doing the vacuuming, making some lunches, just chilling, whatever it is you're doing right now as you're listening, thank you again, for choosing to spend some time with us today. And there's been some more ratings and reviews coming in recently, and thank you very much. So this one is from Zara, and Zara says, amazing podcasts, five stars. Thank you, Zara. Uh, She says, you came to my school today. Yes, I did. Thank you. And she said, I loved your day with us. Well, thanks. I'm glad. Uh, I came home from school and listened to two of your podcasts. They are amazing. Zara, thank you. Firstly, it was an absolute joy to spend the day with you all the other day. And thank you for listening to the podcast and for leaving that review. I'm really grateful that you took the time to do that. So if you would also like to be the fan of the week, it's very simple. It just takes seconds. Just go into your podcast app and leave a rating and a review and I'll be sure to read it out. So I'm really excited about bringing you this episode today with Eddie Wu. And as you'll be able to tell from this chat, he is a highly enthusiastic, passionate person. Uh, Not just passionate about maths and teaching maths, but also just about helping people understand that they have far more potential than what they would ever believe. His enthusiasm and energy is enough to inspire people to give things a go again, things they previously gave up on or subjects they thought they'll never ever be good at. He inspires people to think differently and to give it another go and believe in their capabilities of getting just that little bit better. Now, Eddie has a whole swag of awards, some of which include winning the 2017 University of Sydney Young Alumni Award for Outstanding Achievements. In 2017, he was also one of 12 Australian teachers to win a Commonwealth Bank Teaching Award, which is a prestigious national awards event co-presented each year by the Commonwealth Bank and Education Charity Schools Plus. In 2017, he was also named the 2018 New South Wales Local Hero. Eddie gave the Australia Day address in New South Wales in 2018. It was the first time a teacher has ever done so. In 2018, he won the Australia's Local Hero Award at the Australian of the Year Awards. And in March 2018, he was named a top 10 finalist in the Global Teacher Prize. That's right, worldwide. His YouTube channel started simply as a way to help one of his students continue their learning and the development of maths while they were in hospital suffering from cancer. And now his channel has over 550,000 subscribers and more than 25 million views worldwide. In 2018, he hosted a show called Teenage Boss on the ABC, which gave teens control of their family's financial decisions for a month. And he also wrote a book called Woo's Wonderful World of Maths, and it addresses questions like why are rainbows curved and why aren't left-handers extinct? With answers being maths and that maths is all about patterns and the universe is extraordinarily patterned. 
Again, as I said before, Eddie has an incredible enthusiasm and passion for discovering your own abilities and your own potential. So I can't wait to bring you this chat with Eddie today. Before we dive into it, make sure that you take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media. Tag Eddie on Instagram at Mr. WooTube. That's the word Mr. W-O-O-T-U-B-E. Again, that's at Mr. WooTube. Tag me in as well at Dave Jorner and at Do Love Better Podcast. So for now, I hope you enjoy this chat with Eddie Woo. Eddie, thank you very much for joining us today on the Do Love Better Podcast. Oh, look, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Yeah, sure. And I know that you've cleared some time between your classes at school. I know schools are really busy places there. So again, Eddie, I really appreciate your time today. And after I um, did a little bit of homework on you and I was listening to one of your TEDx talks and so on, and I believe we've got something in common. Um, I heard that you play the guitar and you actually started to learn the guitar as a way to impress a girl. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm alone in that fact suddenly. <laughs> no, no, no. I was pretty much the same. I started learning when I was about 13. Uh, my dad taught me. And then uh, when I was older, there was you know, about 15, there'd be some, so I went to an all boys school and then there'd be some girls from who got off, the, I used to live across the road from a train station. And there'd be, I don't know if I've ever told anyone this, there'd be some girls from one of the all girls schools sitting underneath the tree outside our house waiting to be picked up. And I'd crank up my guitar inside as a way to show off. I'd never go out and talk to them, of course. I'd just play this guitar, right? Oh, that's crazy, man. <laughs> Seriously, adolescents, I could never do that. Absolutely. But then I went to um, a youth group so again I thought I'm never going to meet my wife at this all boys school so I went to a youth group and then I started learning guitar even more there thinking yes I need to attract the attention of this girl who I ended up marrying later on so I think it worked (laughs) there you go I love that I love that it worked out for you that's fantastic it clearly shows I think that you have more of a I think that says a lot about your level of skill compared to my level of skill because it didn't work out for me but that's awesome that's congratulations Uh, maybe it was pity maybe that's what got her across the line I don't know but uh, either way (laughs) let's just leave that as an open question shall we (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right now um, so you uh, you received the local heroes award um, as part of the Australian Day Award and that, that's a massive achievement for you. What was it like when you received that nomination coming in? Oh, look, it was, it was completely surreal. I mean, I remember, you know, for those of you, who, for the people who aren't aware, there's sort of like a state and territory level and then, you know, the people who receive it at a state and territory level, they are then, they go on to Canberra and they sort of get to, um, you know, go toe-to-toe with the rest of the uh, people from all the other states and territories. And I didn't even think I was really much of a, um, an option for the state, for the New South Wales level, let alone the national one. So I was just there enjoying myself, getting to know these incredible people. Like that's one of the most amazing things. You have 32 people because there's four categories, eight states and territories, and they're just astonishing individuals. I was reflecting on it being there in Canberra this year, 12 months later. And, um, you know, Australia is a big country, so diverse, and it's full of so many um, incredible people doing wonderful things with their lives. So I was just, you know, soaking it in and loving meeting these people. And then all of a sudden, the Prime Minister, well, he, he was the Prime Minister then anyway, uh, you know, reads out my name. And I just, I went into shock. It was completely bizarre. Yeah, like going just from being your regular school teacher. Um, and then, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, please, with your backstory here, but um, there was a student who was quite sick. They, they couldn't come to class. They were in hospital. Pancreatic cancer, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you've got your details, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, so you're 
empathy, you'll want to teach, you'll want to help further them in their education and feel part of it. That's how you start up that your YouTube channel, now known as WooTube. <laughs> yeah, cheesy name from a cheesy person. Mate, I love it. The thing is awesome. And um, so you'll want just to add value to one person and to connect and to make a difference in the life of one person then started to snowball. And now you have, what is it, over half a million down uh, subscribers on, on your YouTube channel and how many millions of views? I think I read 25 million, but I don't know how old that information was. It's got to be around that number now. It's kind of, I mean, the scale of it really boggles the mind. I mean, a, a normal, uh, you know, classroom teacher in a high school, they might teach anywhere between 150 and 200 students over the course of a year. You know, yeah. uh, when, when you're, you know, going to space for, say for 30 or 35 years, that might be, you know, six or 7,000 people whom you have the incredible privilege of having an impact on and shaping the way they think about learning and, you know, helping them, um, you know, teaching things to them which are going to be valuable for their lives. And that's amazing. Like, that's why I got into this job. And so to, to think of numbers like that and then compare that to uh, hundreds of thousands or millions, it really does, like, your brain kind of breaks a little bit when you try and <laughs> uh, keep it all in your mind all at once. Yeah, yeah. So I remember when the podcast started, like we were so excited about 200 downloads on the first day, like so excited. And then kind of like, then you aim higher and then you aim higher, that type of thing. And how's it kind of going for you? Like in terms of, are you keeping a check on how many downloads you're getting or is it just about adding more and more value? Or do you kind of go, yes, this was a great lesson because it had this many downloads or... Like, yeah, do you monitor it or do you just kind of just keep pushing out value? The, the short answer is I, I don't monitor it. And the main reason why is because as, as this started off and you mentioned, you know, this was, there was no grand strategy behind, you know, I didn't have any like sort of, oh, this is how I should optimize my tags for the, you know, the most people to find it on the search algorithm or something like that. It really yeah. was about my students in the classroom and it still is, but it's just wonderful for me that I've just been able to open out the the doors of my classroom, as it were, um, in order to help more people. And so I'm not really thinking about those numbers. And it's just delightful that, you know, it can be um, broadly useful to people uh, all around the world. Um, but I would never want to, you know, compromise what I'm doing at school um, in order to serve some kind of, like, you know, people out there who uh, I'll never necessarily know or interact with. I think actually because my focus is on the students who are in front of me, I've really come to believe that's been the main reason why the videos have been successful anywhere else. Mm. Um, and as to, I mean, you mentioned before, like are there some of those videos and they've become really successful. You know, what does that teach me about like my own classroom teaching? And it's been quite funny because there's a few of, there's a handful of my videos that are vastly more popular than anything else. I think there's one of them and it's got something ridiculous, like 3 million views on it. And oh, wow. um, what, what I've found is often what uh, people grab onto, what people gravitate to, is that these videos that are really, you know, attention grabbing, they're the kinds of ones where, you know, it's short, it's digestible. People aren't going to sit through 53 minutes of stuff when they're just, you know, pottering around on their phone when they're taking the train home. But they are willing to take something bite-sized, something clear, uh, and straightforward and surprising as well. And I think that's kind of what most of my most popular videos um, seem to share in common. Um, but I, I definitely, as a classroom teacher, like I believe in the whole curriculum. I think that there are, there are cool things which you can find out in 30 seconds. And there are some things, and this is not even an exaggeration, there's literal examples I could give you. There's some things where it takes like five years of learning an idea and drilling into it and sort of like 
uh, learning all the background before there's the payoff. It's almost like, uh, you know, at the end of seven books and you find out like this particular character whose guts you hated the whole way through the series, you're like, oh, they're like a really important hero when you find out that backstory. So for me, I love those long moments. I love the short moments. I like to have all of them all together. Awesome. And yeah, I could imagine, as you're saying, doing your YouTube channel must help you become a better teacher. And then becoming a better teacher must help in your YouTube channel as well. So they must absolutely help each other grow there. Um, and you know, in terms of your your name getting out more and more and more, there must be a lot of, well, even just with now, with me asking if we could chat for our podcast, there must be a lot of other people reaching out to you going, Eddie, we want to hear from you. We want your wisdom and all that. So it must be difficult then balancing your new pathway, I suppose, trying to balance that and then maintain being a father of three kids, being a husband, being a school teacher who has to then go home, lesson plan, and then do your marking. <laughs> it must be quite difficult trying to keep that all together look it certainly is i mean i think in some ways even without um you know all of the incredible opportunities that i feel very lucky to have received over the last two Mm. years even without that i think that our modern world is just kind of um it's constantly tugging us in all these different directions i think uh anyone who's a parent uh feels this you know um one of the one of the reasons why i think this is a challenge is because you know when uh when your focus is on people, you know, whether that's uh, within the context of your family um, Mm. or within the context of like my profession, you know, it's a people focused profession. One of the tricky things about this, and which is always really hard to wrap your head around, um, particularly, I remember this as an early career teacher, is that your job's never done. You know, it's not like you work in a factory and there's like, there's like 18 steps to build this thing. And then, you know, you put the, you put the doors on and the windows on and the steering wheel goes on and then the car drives out of the factory, right? And then there's like, oh, it's done. It's finished. Mm. But with a, a, a teacher... Or, or a parent or, or really anyone who is in that kind of service role with people can never say that because you can always put more time into that student who needs individual help outside the lesson. You can always make that lesson sharper and clearer. You can always, you know, make the assessment task more interesting and do more research. And, you know, as a parent, I could always read another book to my kids or I could always take them out to the park one more time. So I think there's this really tricky um, I don't know if I like the word balance because it almost assumes it's like, oh, just get all your things in the right spot and then there'll be this magical place where everything just, you know, hovers and then there's like a halo over your head and the sound of harps in the background. I don't know anyone who lives like that, um, but exactly, I, do yeah. think it's, I do think it's possible to maintain kind of like a healthy tension between all the, the goals that you're trying to do in your life. And, you know, tension, uh, sometimes people think that is a bad thing, but because, you, you know, you mentioned it. Uh, any stringed instrument, like a guitar, it needs to be in tension. The, the strings have to be in tension to make music. So I kind of think of life a little bit like that, where everything's kind of tugging gently in its own direction. And if they're all kind of doing it a little bit, and I, I feel like, yeah, I've got my bases mostly covered, um, that, that is a challenge, but I think I'm still you know, ahead of the curve and I'm happy with the output of my life, I guess. Yeah, nice one. I like that idea about the healthy tension. And, you know, if we're trying to chase balance, as you said, we'll be forever chasing. <laughs> yeah, you, you never get there. Yeah, really. exactly. Exactly. I love that. And so I was listening to a chat you had on the Good Life, uh, the Good Life podcast, and you're talking about how you got into um, becoming a maths teacher. You were signed up. You wanted to do English and Humanities, I believe. You had a happy coincidence chatting with someone and they're like, you know what, we've got enough English and Humanities teachers. How about you do maths? 
And that's what really sparked your interest because, you know, you, you wanted to add value to as many young people as you could. And I love how you kind of mentioned that that was a happy coincidence for you. And you also talk about coincidences in terms of mathematics out in the universe and the creation and, you know, that golden ratio and patterns. And yeah, so just the way that you kind of, you know, not only has there been a happy coincidence in terms of your trajectory <laughs> and your lost future where you've ended up right now, but also you talk about coincidences in the mathematics world and um, the world around us. And, you know, you had that TEDx talk. And by the way, the reason I'm mentioning these in brief is because if any of our listeners want to go further on those topics, please go and check them out. <laughs> but you also mentioned in TEDx talk about, you know, maths is that other sense that we don't know about. So uh, do you see maths in those coincidences in everyday life, like the, you know, the, the chance meetings, those chance conversations that change your life? Um, yeah, I definitely do. I mean, one of my favorite quotes um, is that if you dig deep enough into anything, you will find mathematics waiting there for you. And I think mm. that coincidences are um, very much like that. I mean, um, just, just recently um, I had – uh, you know, coincidence obviously can be both positive and negative. And I was um, flying to a couple of different places over the last uh, couple of months and some really terrible, unfortunate things happened. You know, the kind of thing where, you know, a thing gets delayed um, and, you, you know, you end up being awake for, you know, more than 24 hours in a day because of time zones and all that. Or your mm. luggage gets lost or things like that. And mm. the thing is, you know, while we feel like those are coincidences, um, if you do something enough, you know, mathematically, there's a certainty that this is actually something of enormously small, you know, probability is eventually going to occur. Um, there's this famous example of this um, British illusionist. His name is um, Darren Brown. He's kind of like a yes. magician type guy, really yeah. entertaining sort of guy. And one of the things he does in one of his TV shows on camera with no like funny camera angles or tricks or anything like that. He flips a coin and it, I think it's either heads or tails, but uh, we'll just say tails, you know, it gets tails 10 times in a row. And you're like, wow. how can that be possible? Like how, when is the, you know, have anyone, has anyone ever done that? In, has that ever happened to anyone? How incredibly lucky must he be? Um, but the reality is, he actually, you know, stood there just flipping a coin hundreds and thousands of times. And even though 10 tails in a row is so incredibly unlikely, um, the mathematics of probabilities actually ensures that at a certain point, it's virtually guaranteed. And I just love the mathematics, um, like you were just mentioning. For me, it's a sense that allows us to perceive what's going on around the world, things we wouldn't be able to see otherwise. And I think probability and coincidences are just one example of that. Nice one. And you also talk about there's pat mathematics in patterns um, in terms of delta rivers, in terms of lightning bolts, clouds, leaves, and things like that. And when you stop and notice it, our brain is far more open and aware of mathematics in our everyday life. Yeah. I mean, I, I constantly think about um, you, that experience sometimes when, you know, uh, if you are thinking about something, Suddenly, you see it everywhere. I remember when um, mm. my first uh, child was born, and you know, you're pushing a pram around um, for the first time in shopping centers. And I remember walking through a shopping center that I had lived near my entire life, and I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, there are prams everywhere. Like, I've passed, I must <laughs> yeah. have passed 300 prams in the last 10 minutes. And it's kind of like, is it, this is weird, isn't it? Like, is this yeah. a new thing? And it's like, you yeah. idiot, this has been around you your entire life, hidden in yep. plain sight. You've just been um, ignorant of it. And when yeah. you get given the right nudge, you're like, oh, 
okay, this is a thing. And um, for me, mathematics is like that. It kind of makes you realize, oh, wow, there's stuff that I've experienced my entire life. I've just never really known to look for yeah. it. Isn't that right? When we had our first child, not only do you notice the prams, but even the brands. You know, you've got the same brand as me, but the different level one. You've got the one up or whatever. Yeah, 100%. Uh, it is such a weird I, – I, it's kind of like this um, – uh, it's, and again, there's, there's mathematics to this as well, but the human brain, um, you know, when you think about all of the inputs that are coming into the human brain uh, every mm-hmm. single second of the day, um, our brain actually does this fantastic job, sort of in the background, of filtering out the things that you want to pay attention to, the things that you think are important, and the things that are going to have to sort of recede into the background. And it's just fascinating the power that we have when we choose to focus on particular things, um, you know, and then suddenly we become aware of them. Uh, it's just our brain sort of saying, I'm going to change my filters now. I'm going to look for particular things that I wasn't aware of before. Nice one. And, you know, that idea about where your attention goes, your energy flows is so incredibly important. And um, even so, in that TEDx talk, one of the things I love that you said is because you wear glasses now, you mentioned something about how um, it wasn't as if when you were born, you were a person who just can't see. Do you think that, or instead of do you think maybe, I suppose we are aware, aren't we, that some people think, you know what, I'm not a maths person, you know, that have that fixed mindset. But instead, it's about the persistence, the perseverance. Um, how do you see that helping? Or what can we do as, as teachers, as parents, as educators, as friends? What can we do to really help open up people to possibilities that, you know what, just because you can't do it now doesn't mean you won't be able to do it tomorrow. How do we instill that growth mindset? Fantastic question. I mean, there's so much to talk about here. Um, one of the things that's really worth mentioning um, before I directly answer your question mm. is that while often we focus on, you know, um, the, the, you actually just mentioned the phrase, you know, growth mindset. Um, it's very common for people to have a, a fixed mindset. You know, do people think, um, oh, look, I'm just, I'm just this kind of person. That's who I was since, you know, I was born this way or my parents are always like this and I've always been like that and I can never change, you know. I mean, I'm a teacher, I'm an educator. And so the very premise of my work is that you can change and that you can gain skills you never had before or develop an understanding that wasn't perhaps instinctive, but that doesn't mean you can't develop it, you can't gain it and build it. Uh, And so, you know, the kind of running assumption of every single thing that I do every day is that you can grow. You have this way to, you know, part of the plan to do life better, um, whether that's academically or personally um, or socially. And so, yeah, this is not just of importance for people who maybe struggle. It's also vitally important for people who I even think are, you know, very high achieving. Um, there's a really fascinating study into the effects that happen when you uh, see a, a range of students. They do a test. Some of them do well. Some of them do poorly, right? And, um, you know, the way that you, um, we, you know, adults, teachers, whoever, the way we respond to them, the way we validate them or the way that we encourage them or, or chastise them has a huge impact on them. Um, there was this study was looking at what happens when you've got low-performing students and high-performing students. And there was two different sort of schools of thought. One was, you know what, if they do well, you know, um, then praise their their achievement you know it's like wow great you got 100% on that test fantastic good on you um and you know if they didn't do well then you know you don't say anything and then there was another school of thought was instead of praising their achievement why don't you praise 
their effort. How, watch yeah. them carefully, observe them, and see how hard they work at it. And you know what? If they don't get an amazing mark, but they try, they really apply themselves, then praise that. Say, hey, you know what? You didn't get that perfect, but I saw you really gave that a go. You didn't give up. You persevered. Good on you, mate. Now, what was really fascinating about this is maybe it doesn't surprise people that you know, for the, the struggling learners, the people who didn't do well um, so much in those exams and their marks and what have you, um, those students did much, much better in subsequent tests, um, particularly when we said, you know, hey, would you like to try another test? You can have um, you can have a go at this test, which is just like the one you did, or you can have a go at one that's, one that's harder or one that's easier, right? When those students were encouraged based on effort, not on what mark they got, what they achieved, the mm. struggling students, they were willing to try harder things. But the even more counterintuitive finding was when the really competent students, the kids who got like 100% or 90% or something like that, were very successful in the first task, when they were given the subsequent task, if those students uh, were praised on their achievements, said, hey, well done, that's a great mark. On the next test, rather than, you know, like, hey, you've done well, go and advance to the next thing. What they would prefer to do consistently was to take tests that were either the same difficulty or easier. Because what was well, happening was, you know, they're being praised for getting a mark. Now, if they try a harder test, they're probably not going to get as good a mark because, you know, this is more difficult and so on. And when we attach, um, you know, success and encouragement and, and praise to like that objective, you know, what, what number or what grade did you get? What we get is, you know, lower outcomes, lower learning outcomes, not just for struggling kids, but also for the higher achieving kids. So I guess to come back to your original question, I think that when we speak to the younger people in our lives or even, you know, everyone in our lives, I think speaking and praising what people are doing in terms of effort, the way they're applying themselves, much more than actual necessarily the result, I think that can have a really big impact on helping people adopt that real growth mindset approach to things. Thanks for that reminder in terms of you know the way, yeah, what we say to our children, to students, to our colleagues, to our friends, family members, the way that we praise and thank them affects their willingness to step up and challenges themselves even more. So, yeah, it's a nice reminder there, Eddie. Thanks for that. Yeah. No, cheers. In terms of finding maths in our everyday life or even being better at maths than what we actually think and being more natural at mathematics than what we think, because I think this happens in many other areas as well. We can be more naturally gifted at things than what we might even be aware of. So, for example, with maths, we might think, okay, we struggle in class or I used to struggle when I was in school, but yet we can catch a ball. We can hit a ball. We understand the trajectory of a ball. When we drive, when we run past someone, all this stuff, we are actually calculating maths at a really high rate, yeah? Mm, absolutely. And, I mean, you're actually reminding me of, uh, you know, you talked about my TEDx talk before. That was an incredible experience. But one of the things which I, um, I remember from that was actually sitting backstage just before I was going to go on. Uh, in fact, just before the whole day was starting because I was one of the first um, people on. And the person before me, um, she, was, she was a performer. She was going to play the piano, and she's an amazing vocalist as well. And when she found out, this happens to me quite frequently, actually, when she found out, oh, you're a math teacher, right? She's like, her immediate visceral response was, uh, oh, I was never good at math, you know, and I hate, I never really used yeah. math, all that kind of thing. And the yeah. thing is, you know, I got to say to her, because I was like, what's the time? We got, we got five minutes before you have to get on stage. I started to unpack for her um, how much amazing mathematics there is 
in playing the piano. You know, yeah. everything about a piano, um, from, you know, the rhythm, which is just like a set of ratios and fractions, right? Two beats in a bar or whatever, you know, that's fractions. When we think about the harmonies between different notes, that's about, you know, that's a, there's a mathematical uh, formula that explains why certain notes lead into others and why certain ones sound good with others um, to our ears. You know, one of my favorite quotes is that mathematics is music for the mind. Music nice. is mathematics for the soul and for our yeah. ears. It, it's music. It's mathematics you can hear. So absolutely, it's kind of sort of hidden around us. And we often will not admit that actually we, we we're quite competent at mathematics because we don't, we, we've almost sort of conditioned ourselves to kind of say, oh, that's not my thing. Um, going back to the music metaphor, music, you know, someone said they didn't like the violin, but they play the drums. You wouldn't say, oh, well, that person's not a musician. They're still a musician. They're just using a different form of music. And mathematics is just the same. We sort of view it as this big monolithic whole, but there's, there's geometry, there's arithmetic, there's calculus, there's, and the list goes on and on and on, each one like its own musical instrument, each one like its own genre that we can actually develop in. And, you know, those things that you talked about, spatial reasoning and awareness, huge part of mathematics, but often something we don't recognize. Oh, yeah, and there'd be people in your class, for example, and other classes all around the country, um, sports people who are like, I just can't do maths, but yet their geometry and their calculus on the basketball court when they're bouncing the ball or taking a shot or when they're trying to kick a conversion and they're taking into account the wind, the, you know, um, the distance, the height, the angle, and or you're playing pool with your mates. Like we're doing this type of stuff all 100%. the time. Yeah, exactly. But, and I, I find it fascinating. You know, I often get a lot of students who will say, oh, I'm not, I'm not into maths. Um, you know, the typical adolescent boy, and I'll say, yeah, that's cool, no problem. I, won't, I don't need to confront that, but do you have a favorite sport? Do you have a favorite player or team? And then suddenly, before I know it, I have to shut them up. You know, they're just spooling off all these statistics and all these pieces of information. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I think you know more maths than you give yourself credit for, uh, which I think is really quite telling, really quite hilarious. Awesome. And I like how, obviously, you're highly passionate about maths, yet you are really able and capable of bringing what you've learned about maths and what we can all learn about our approach to maths and how we see maths every day. The way that you take that in terms of um, how we can better ourselves generally as well, you know, like in terms of that growth mindset, in terms of being more open to those possibilities. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you kind of mentioned this, uh, alluded to this before. I kind of, I know, right, that when I teach my students in mathematics, especially the higher levels, um, you know, my students are going to go away. They're going to graduate high school, and the vast majority of them are never explicitly going to work out an angle in a triangle using trigonometry. They're not going to go and solve a, a system of simultaneous equations unless they become an engineer or go into you know, some pretty high finance world. They're not going to do that. But mm. for me, I still think it is crucially important for them to learn mathematics and as, as advanced as they possibly can because mathematics is really about being able to solve a problem that is difficult, it's challenging, based on the information that you've got and, and thinking about it in a logical, systematic way. And that's something which everyone does every single day of their lives. And mathematics is a wonderful way to hone that skill. So for me, it absolutely is a, a metaphor for all of life and our willingness to, to think about it carefully and to you know, try challenging problems. That's what maths is full of. 
Yeah, nice. And speaking to you now and watching you on YouTube and the TEDx talk and so on, it's very obvious that you have an energy, a passion and enthusiasm in the way that you speak and the way that you teach and the way that you connect. And that absolutely attracts people, draws people in, it makes them want to listen. It reignites their love of maths and so on. <laughs> Where did that come from for you? you know, it, was it innate? Uh, is there someone who inspired you, someone that you look up to who's like that? And where did this energy and passion and this want for yourself to always be better so that you can connect with people better, where did that come from? That's a great question. Um, look, it came from a few different places. Like, I can't point to a single person. I'm like, you know, they're the role model who um, I've just been sort of, you know, uh, uh, trying to emulate my entire life. But I've thought about it from a few different angles. So as an example, um, firstly, in terms of maths, um, I was not a gifted mathematician at school. It was not the subject. And I was like, yeah, just like that absolutely. Uh, I can see the answer very clearly, very obviously, and I can get it really fast. I was not that kid. Um, but I did have uh, my older brother. He's, um, he's eight years older than me. And uh, he was much more, uh, much stronger at mathematics naturally um, than I was. And he would, as a, as a, when I was much younger, when he was going through school and I was like sort of in primary school and before that, he would talk to me and he would show me, you know, things in mathematics. He never really said, oh, hey, I'm going to teach you to sing out of mathematics. He'd just be playing with something, you know. He'd be getting, this is back in the days before, you know, uh, the, the phones in our pockets and these incredibly powerful computers. So we had this, like, like we had this Commodore 64, this ancient, enormous box, and you had to, like, learn this arcane code to be able to play any games on it and that kind of thing. So he had these really old-fashioned computers. And he would get the computer to do some math. It would draw like this really fascinating shape. And I'd look at that and I'd be like, what is up with that? Like, it, it looks beautiful. This kind of strange, bizarre geometric pattern. I, I don't understand it, but it looks cool. And he'd say, oh, mm -hmm. well, this is called, uh, this particular shape is called a fractal. And you draw it using mathematics. And I didn't understand what that was back then. But I sort of had this seed planted in my mind that mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what this is yet. You know, I haven't, I haven't been to this place where I comprehend what this is talking about, but there is something there. It's almost like, you know, you kind of, um, it, it's almost as though I've been, uh, there's this restaurant that I um, drive past quite frequently. And for years and years and years, um, I sort of looked at it and thought, man, that restaurant's always full. It's like people look like they're having a great time. It must be really popular. Food must be amazing there. But it took me like a good five years of doing this. Before I actually went into that place, ordered a meal and thought, oh, this is what people have been enjoying all this time. And I kind of looked at mathematics. I kind of did this drive-by and sort of like, oh, I think there's something in there, but I don't know what it is. Um, but people seem to appreciate it. So that kind of sowed the seed of thinking there's something in mathematics to be exciting, excited and passionate about. And then sort of the second piece of the puzzle was I had some teachers um, who – I feel so fortunate to have had them. They really made a difference in my life because they, they cared about me as an individual, as a, as a, a fellow human being, not just as a student. Mm. And also, I could clearly see that even though I didn't come to their classes with a, um, you know, a particular excitement or passion about what I was going to learn, I did leave their classes thinking, wow, this is really wonderful and really important and it matters to me. And the transition between it being unimportant to important um, was basically through me watching them. You know, uh, I remember a lecturer told me, uh, told, you know, my whole class of people at university once, you know, students won't remember what you teach them, but they yeah. will remember the person that you are. 
That's yep. what will come across, right? And um, it's for me, it's absolutely true. You know, I know, <laughs> I, I think back to a textbook, an old textbook of mine, a history textbook, and I'm looking at it thinking, I know I read this. I know I wrote essays about this, but I'm looking at it and I have no memory of it whatsoever. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I, but that doesn't matter. I have a love for history because the teachers who taught me, they just had this fantastic view on the world that couldn't help but bring me along with them. So kind of putting those together, this knowledge that there is something wonderful in that, if only I can discover it, and then realizing that what makes all great teachers, you know, successful and effective is that they place this primacy on um, knowing and loving their subject and then conveying that to the students that they have in their care. Um, that was really what drove me to do that in my own teaching uh, and in my own classroom. Thanks. So in terms of looking back over your journey now and you weren't expecting to end up here when you're at university talking to someone about maybe you should do maths. Yeah, this was completely unexpected for you where you are now. Looking back over that journey, what would be one of the greatest things you've learnt? I think one of the greatest things I've learnt is to not uh, – how, how do I say this? It's um, like I, I used to think, okay, I, I have a rough idea of what direction my life is heading in. You know, I, I think that I'm going to – I'm going to – I like to plan things out. I like to – you know, I don't like surprises generally. I like to know where my life is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to think, yeah, you can pretty much live your life like that and um, that'll be fine. And in many senses, I think that is still true. But over the last, like you said, sort of looking back on the journey that I've had, I could, there's no way um, that I could have predicted any of the things that I was going to um, you know, stumble upon. I certainly didn't think uh, that mathematics teaching would be the way to you know, uh, have your name recognized on a, on a, a national or even an international stage mm-hmm. like that's a complete that's still a complete shock to me to be honest <laughs> and so you know i think what i've learned from that is you can't predict you can you know you can prepare as well as you can and uh you know there's that famous quote the harder i work the luckier i i find myself you know um but i think for me what i've learned is to be open you know i i sort of dismissed the idea of being a head teacher a leader within a school because i just didn't feel like looking at the teachers in my own school the head teachers I thought, that's not for me. Like, I don't seem to have any of those skills or I don't have that personality. Um, but then when I sort of was willing to go out on a limb, take a bit of a risk, I realized, oh, okay, I can take on a role like this and, and make a positive difference because I'm going to find my own way to be a different kind of leader. And I would not have taken that step if I wasn't willing to say, you know what, I don't know how this will go, but I'm willing to give it a shot and see what happens. So I think it's that openness, I guess, that's the biggest thing I've learned over the last few years. Yeah, thanks. And I think watching your story and your journey, one of the biggest things I've learned from observing is just that power of adding value without expecting anything from return. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, I think constantly about you know, Steve, Steve Jobs in his um, Stanford commencement speech, he has that famous line of, you know, you can't pay the debt of education or, or you know, uh, uh, money or, or social capital, you can't pay that back to the people who gave it to you, but you can pay it forward. You can, you can do something for the next generation that they can benefit from, even though they can't return that um, favor to you, but you can still give it to, to them and they can benefit from it. Oh, for sure. It's so important, isn't it? And before I get to those last two questions, Eddie, is there anything I haven't asked you that you think our listeners could really benefit from today? Yeah, I think um, probably the thing that's worth uh, mentioning, which we haven't touched on, is that 
Well, like I, I'm delighted that I get the opportunity to speak to people like yourself and to, you know, share some of the things I've learned and, um, you know, to, to pass that, that, you know, good, uh, uh, those good lessons that I've been able to receive from others, um, pass them on to, you know, your listeners in this case. But I think one of the really big things I want to say is that there, I, I don't really think um, there's anything that makes me particularly special or unique, particularly when you described, you know, uh, me and me wanting to, to help a particular student out and bring value to them, improve their life. That's what every single teacher uh, around the world, that's, that's their goal. Mm. Some, of them, some of them are better than others are doing it. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the intent behind every educator. And I want to make sure that people realize I, I'm, I'm, I hope not here on behalf of myself, but really on behalf of an entire profession. And I think that um, one of the saddest things in Western society is how much teachers are, are, are not respected and not valued. And that has a really bad effect on society as a whole because, you know, people who are passionate, intelligent, and, and, and uh, you know, gifted people think of education as a kind of, you know, that's not worth doing. Don't bother. That's for people who, you know, you, um, those who can do and uh, those who can't teach. And I think that's, that's horrible that people would think that and therefore, mm. you know, have this flow and effect to the education profession as a whole. So I really want to emphasize that um, there are teachers just like me, hundreds and thousands of us all around Australia, all around the world. And, you know, for anyone who uh, watches a teacher, you know, if you have kids and you think about your own kids' uh, uh, classroom teachers, um, do what you can to honor them because they're often working under really challenging circumstances and most of the work that they do is invisible, but it's for the sake of the kids. So I really want to emphasize that because, um, yeah, not just here for me, I'm here representing every teacher that's out there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's part of the work that I do. I get to travel all around Australia and I'm in contact with different teachers each day. And it's so true what you just said. You know, there's so many great teachers out there who are there because of their passion, there because of their want. And it transcends the subject matter they teach. It's more about making better human beings, making good human beings. And, you know, they teach who they are. They pass on their wisdom, their knowledge, their enthusiasm, and, you know, their love for the subject matter and also that want to help create better human beings. And, um, yeah, Eddie, you're a great example of that. And, and thank you for that. And also uh, highlighting that importance of teachers. And, you know, <laughs> they're, they're incredibly underpaid um, in terms of the amount of work they do, the responsibilities that they have. Um, but you know, the passion that you have for what you do um, is, is quite exciting to watch and will hopefully, as you're saying, draw a lot more young people into this incredibly important profession of teaching. So, Eddie, if our listeners would like to get in contact with you, obviously there's WeTube. Um, how else could they connect with you, follow you? What would you, um, where do you hang out on social media the most? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm on a bunch of different places. So um, probably I would say if people want to reach out and get in touch, I'd, I'd say Twitter might be the best way, but there's uh-huh. Facebook, there's Instagram. I'm sort of on all of them. Um, and, you know, if people go onto my website, there's a little contact form if they want to drop me an email. Um, so any of those, those would be a, a good option to go for. Fantastic. Now, as you know, um, by the way, I'll have that in our show notes too. Um, as you know, Eddie, I like to finish the um, interviews with two questions. And one is, what's your definition of doing life better? And I love asking this because our guests come from such different backgrounds. So, Eddie, for you, what's doing life better mean? Yeah, for me, doing life better is about two things. It's about uh, knowing and it's about showing. So I think about, you know, we live in this wonderful, beautiful 
world, you know, particularly here in Australia. Um, we have so many things to be grateful for. I was born here. My brother and sister and I were all born here. But my parents, they left um, Southeast Asia because they knew where we lived. Um, and being from the ethnic background that we were, there was a pretty slim chance that we would be able to get a decent education. And so they packed up everything um, and came to Australia. And wow. for me, like, I just had this huge sense of gratitude for that. Mm. And I think knowing, like, recognizing the good things that we have and appreciating them, uh, I think that's the first big thing. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also think about, like, I don't want to just know what's good. I also want to show that. Like, I, as a parent, as a teacher, I want to live in such a way that I can um, sort of highlight um, all the great things that are around us, especially in today's world. Like, I'm just thinking about, you know, when you turn on the news or you just – you know, scroll through what's happening um, in current affairs. It's really easy to focus on these negative um, aspects to life. People, you know, who are at war or um, terrible miscarriages of justice. And those do happen. We do have to do things about those. But I think part of doing life better is to show that that's not all that is in the world. There's actually um, wonderful things that if we, you know, if I do my job as a teacher, I think that it shows others, you know, the wonderful opportunities they have to make a difference in the world, or it shows them um, how beautiful uh, the, the patterns of nature are, or it shows them how to be effective in their jobs in the server community. So for me, knowing and showing the goodness of the world that we live in, that's what doing life better, I think, needs to be. That's a great reminder, Eddie. Thanks the knowing and the showing. I love that. Thank you. So if you could give our listeners one challenge for the week, one thing to focus on to help them do their life even better, what would that be? Yeah, my big challenge, I think it flows on from something we talked before in terms of growth mindset and the willingness to challenge ourselves. Um, you know, I would love to, for everyone who, anyone who's willing out there um, to think about this mathematically, but really I want to open it up. I bet everyone who's listening can think of something that in their life they've said, you know what, that's just, that's just too hard. That's not for me. I'm not going to give that a go. Um, I, I think that's too, you know, it's just too difficult for me. I, I've tried this before. I've failed, all that kind of thing. And um, they've just kind of closed the door on that. And for me, I think about that, like, obviously, as a math teacher, I think about that in mathematical terms. But I think it might mean anything. I, it might mean, you know, reaching out to a loved one who, you know, is difficult to relate to. And you've just thought, you know, what, that's too hard. You know what, I just, I, I can't do this anymore. But I think that often things are absolutely worth doing, especially because they're hard. Maybe it's a skill that you want to develop and you kind of just put it to one side and thought, you know what, I look like, I always look like an idiot when I'm dancing. I have two left feet, but you know, maybe I should go out and learn that. Or maybe it's getting fitter. Something that we've sort of closed the door on. I'm a real believer that, you know, I might never be, you know, me personally, I might never be an incredible athlete or anything like that. But I can certainly be a fitter version of me than I am now. Um, I, I might not ever be a virtuoso musician, but I could go out and pick up a new instrument and give it a go and benefit. Like I, when I started playing the guitar, I started to enjoy music better just when I was listening to it, even when I wasn't playing it, because I got a better sense of appreciating what was going on. I think that applies to almost anything in life. Um, things that we close the door on, I want to challenge everyone out there to say, Maybe you should just open it up again. You don't have to be an expert at it, but give it a go because you're probably much more able to learn it and um, adopt that, develop that skill um, or take that opportunity than you give yourself credit for. So give yourself a go. 
be willing to stick your neck out and take a risk. I love that, Eddie. Thank you very much. And you know, I think that's um, that's really in line with with the great example that you are in terms of stepping up, taking on these challenges, have that growth mindset. It's not about being the world's greatest. It's just about challenging yourself to be even better yourself. Um, so, Eddie, I want to thank you for your time today. You've been really generous. You need to run off very shortly to your next class, <laughs> but um, you're really generous in your time today. And also, again, for the example that you have been, um, for you know, the difference that you can make by adding value with without the expectation of return um, what you can achieve through energy and passion and that purpose that you that deep-seated purpose to make a difference and um, and even just for the work that you're doing with the students directly as well you know to help them believe in their own abilities even more and to fall in love with maths and other subjects as well so Eddie for the work you're doing with our young people um, and teachers all around the world uh, I want to thank you very much no Dave it's been my absolute pleasure and I hope some of the um Hope some of the lessons that I've been able to, you know, get from the, the mentors, many mentors who I've been able to be privileged to um, have over the years, hopefully they can uh, help out our listeners, your listeners today as well. Yeah, for sure, Eddie. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, there we have it, friends. And please remember Eddie's challenge for this week, which is find one thing that you closed the door on, find one thing that you gave up on, and give it a go again. Remember, you don't have to be the best in the world at it. It's just about being as best as you can be at it. So again, find that one thing that you gave up on and give it a crack this week. And you might need to stick at it for more than just one week. Keep working on it and see how you go. So if you did find some inspiration and some value in this chat with Eddie today, please make sure you thank him. Take a screenshot of this episode, share it on social media, tag Eddie at Mr. WooTube, tag him in, tag me in as well. He would love to know that you listened and that you got something out of this chat with him today. So make sure you do share it there. And is there someone you know who would benefit from this? If so, please again, share it with them. And are you one of our subscribers yet? Have you joined the Do Love Better community by hitting that subscribe button? If not, please do so. That way you don't miss out on any future upcoming episode. Also, have you jumped across to our Do Love Better community on Facebook? It's a closed group. It's where we post lots of questions about the podcast. You get to have your say on the types of topics and that that we cover and a whole bunch of other things as well. So get onto our Facebook group, which is Do Love Better Community. It's a closed group, but make sure you get onto there as well. And of course, as always, leave a rating and a review. That'll be fantastic. And so for now, I hope this chat with Eddie today will help you do your day just that little bit better than yesterday. And I can't wait to join you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better podcast. And have you subscribed yet? By subscribing to this podcast, that enables you to get notifications every single time a new episode is released. In your podcast app, you can find all the show notes for every episode. And if you'd like to get in contact, you can do so via email at hello at projecthatch.com.au. That's hello at projecthatch.com.au. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share it with someone you think will benefit from these messages. And now it's time to get out there and do life better.